It's a powerful song if you think about it. That no matter what today might look like and no matter how tough it might seem, that God is always going to bring us through. And so we simply say in our hearts and our prayers and in our praises, God, whatever today looks like, it is well. However tough this might seem, God, I trust you. Total dependence on God. That's really what that song is all about. And so today, wherever you're watching, I just encourage you. I know that the, the times, they seem to be completely different. They are certainly uh, unsettling at times. I know that there can even be some people watching this service right now who feel all alone. But know this, you can still trust in God no matter how bad it might seem. God will not walk away. God is with you every step. And God will give to you not only what you need for today, but God will give to you what you need for the rest of eternity. And that's the promise that we have for him. And so right now, I want you to open your Bibles with me, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 23. And before we jump into that passage, I just want you to encourage your family to gather around your family rooms or your kitchen, whatever it is that you might be uh, watching the service right now, and uh, turn off all the distractions, and let's just continue to worship together by the reading of His Word. I want to encourage you uh, to continue to connect with uh, this local church throughout the week. Uh, you can go to our Facebook community page at facebook.com slash groups slash Thomas Road. And every single morning at 9 o'clock, we are uh, doing devotionals every single day. Our children's ministry is doing Bible stories for our kids. Our student ministries on Wednesday nights is doing a, uh, a youth service every Wednesday night. And so great opportunities for you to connect, great opportunities for you uh, to continue in this time of social distancing to continue to have the opportunity of fellowshipping with God's people. And so I encourage you to do that today. And I also want to encourage you to continue to be faithful in the giving to your local church, whatever church that might be. Continue to stand with them as they continue to reach out to the community, reach out to people who need hope in this desperate time, and to continue to bring the gospel out where it is so desperately needed. And so uh, you can give, make sure you do it online or you can send it in, whatever that might look like for you to your local church. Stay faithful in your stewardship. Let's pray together before we open God's Word. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for the hope that we have in you. God, we sit here today in the midst of uh, certainly uncertainty uh, and confusion and at sometimes loneliness. And God, we just ask you today to speak to our hearts. God, we pray that you would fill us today with your joy, with your hope, with your comfort, with your encouragement. God, I pray for every person that is watching this service right now, wherever they might be, Lord, I pray that today through your word that you would give them exactly what is needed for their moment, for their day, for their situation. God, for the people who are sitting out there who are battling illness and sickness during this time, God, I pray that you'd bring healing. For those who are battling financial challenge in the midst of this economic climate, God, I pray that you would provide provision to them and give them uh, the hope and encouragement that they need. God, I pray for our doctors and our nurses, our healthcare professionals on the front lines. God, I pray that you continue to use them. We thank you for their gifts and their talents and their willingness to serve. God, we pray for our leaders, Lord, for our, our city leaders, our state leaders, national leaders. God, continue to give them the wisdom that they need to make the right decisions at the right time. God, as they continue to bring us through this crisis, and God, will give you the praise. But most of all today, I pray that for the people watching this service, 
If there is someone today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if there's someone today who is seeking, looking, wondering, God, I pray that today you would help them to recognize the amazing picture of the gospel. God, that you love them, that you gave your only son Jesus to die for them, that he died and that three days later he rose again. And by simply believing in Jesus, trusting him, turning away from our sin and putting it into the hands of God, Lord, I pray that today that there would be people who call on the name of Jesus and that they would be saved in this hour. And God, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to begin a journey that will take us out for the next few weeks as we lead up to one of the most important days in the calendar of a church, but the most important day in the history of mankind, and that is the day that Jesus rose again. That's right, Easter. Easter is just a couple of weeks away. And when you think about the idea, the picture of the gospel that God loved us so very much, that he gave his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins, that he died on the cross and three days later rose again so that we might have hope and forgiveness and eternity in heaven in the name of Jesus. What an amazing picture that is. And so today we're going to begin a series that's going to lead us out for the next couple of weeks. And and this series we've entitled Famous Last Words. Now we've all heard that phrase before. Uh, we've heard it in, uh, in a comic viewpoint occasionally. Maybe the, uh, the last famous last words that you've heard of the guy who was walking through the woods one day with his friends and his family. And he came up and he looked over and he saw in the woods a little bear cub that was sitting there. And he said, oh, what a cute little bear cub. I'm going to go get pictures with that cub. Uh, obviously famous last words because, you know, the mama bear is never very far from the baby bear. Or maybe the one uh, like James French who uh, was a, a murderer in Oklahoma. And he was back in 1960s, he was convicted of murder and was uh, sent to uh, the electric chair. And in 1966, as he was there in the electric chair and he was talking to the news media who was gathered there to witness his execution, his name was James French. And so here's what he told the reporters that day. He said, listen, uh, here's your headline for tomorrow morning, French fries. And obviously we hear the statement, famous last words, but the famous last words we're going to talk about today are the famous last words of Christ. The words that Jesus spoke in those last moments of his life that have such meaning to each and every one of us. And so we're going to walk through these statements, walk through these phrases to help us get a picture of what was on the heart of Christ. What was it that he was thinking about in those days, in those moments, in those hours where he was giving his life for you and me? And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, and we're going to look today just a couple of those phrases. Next week we'll look at a few more leading up to the time of Easter. But today we're going to look at these words, and we want to kind of get from them, glean from them if we could, the context, the heart, the passion that Jesus had as he was being nailed to the cross. Now we all know the picture. Jesus spent three years of ministry serving, witnessing, sharing the gospel, healing those who were sick, raising the dead. He gave lesson after lesson, statement after statement to help people who were hurting, help people that were looking for the Messiah. And he was giving to them the answers that we all need in life. And so we know the story of Christ's life, and we know that because of what he did, that there were those who sought to crucify, to kill him for what he had done. And so we know that the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they sought to put him to death. And 
And so as they came through that season, when Judas eventually betrayed Christ, as they went into the garden on that night before he was crucified, and Judas betrayed, and the, the soldiers gathered him and arrested him and took him off to uh, the high priest's house and then over to Pilate's palace. And, and as he was tried that day, we know the story that took place. We know the, the difficult the moments that the disciples went through as they watched their, their Lord being beaten and being mocked and then eventually being led to the cross. We know that as Jesus was uh, taken away to Calvary that day, the, the Bible tells us that he was walking along and he was carrying that cross beam. And that because it was so heavy upon his shoulders, because he'd been beaten so badly, that the soldiers then pulled someone out of the crowd to carry it for him. And the passage tells us that people followed along that day. That they, they, they walked along with him going up to Calvary because they wanted to see exactly what was happening. People who were now mourning the fact that they had called for his death. And so then we get to Calvary, to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there Jesus was laid down on the ground on that cross and his hands and his feet were nailed to that cross and the cross was lifted up, placed into the ground. And we know that his body was hanging there on that cross, struggling to breathe, struggling for every single breath looking for just the ability in his human condition to even be able to get one more breath. Now, I've got to be honest with you, if I was in that situation, I'm not sure I would be worried about anybody else around me at that time. I'm not sure I would be trying to come up with sayings that I could give that would be encouraging, sayings that would end up being great statements of hope that he would provide to the people gathered there and the people that till today still gather together as the church, I don't think I'd be worried about what I was going to say. I think I would be preserving every last ounce of energy that I had. I would try to be gasping for breath so that I could extend my life just a, a little bit more. But yet Jesus said some things on the cross that today can be such encouragement to each and every one of us. So let's just walk through some of these statements. Let's walk through some of these thoughts and, and get again the heart of Jesus. And, and the first thing we see in the very first statement that Jesus made on the cross was his heart, his passion for forgiveness. Look what it says in Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32. It says there were also two, other, two others, and then in the New King James, there's a, a comma there, criminals, and then another comma, indicating the fact that there were two others who, in fact, were criminals because Jesus had done nothing wrong. It says there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, and here's these first statements, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now think about that. To think that Jesus' concern at that moment was not about his pain. It was not about what he was going through. It was not about the, 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 the excruciating pain that he was experiencing as they had already nailed his hands to uh, the cross, as they had already nailed his feet, as they had already beaten him, as they had already done all of these things to him. He wasn't worried about what he was going through. He wasn't worried about uh, all of the experiences that he'd had to that moment. His concern, his passion, his heart was to give forgiveness. And so in that statement, in that moment, 
That plea for forgiveness that Jesus gave was one of concern, not only for those who were gathered at the foot of the cross, but it was a plea for forgiveness for every single one of us. Words that Jesus spoke to his father, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, they have no idea what exactly it is that they're causing. Father, they have no concept of what sin really is all about and and how desperately they need forgiveness. So, So, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. What powerful statements. Because today, Jesus is still making those same statements. That forgiveness that Jesus had in his heart on the cross 2,000 years ago is the same heart, the same passion that he has right now, right here for each and every one of us. And it's interesting when you look at the statement that that prayer, that really is what it is. It was a prayer from Jesus praying to God the Father. And as he uttered those words of prayer, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. It's interesting that his death was actually the answer to the prayer. Because you see, when Jesus died on the cross, what he did is he paid for our sins. He paid for my sins and he paid for your sins. He paid for the sins of every person gathered at the foot of the cross that day. He paid for the sins of the soldiers who nailed those nails into his hands. He paid for the sins of the the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, who had condemned him to death who had sought to kill him. He paid for the sins of of Judas, who had betrayed him. He paid for the sins of, of Pilate and all of the others that had sent him on to the cross. Jesus paid it all. And so the prayer that he had that day, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The fact that Jesus died was the answer to the prayer. Because when he died, he paid for our sins. What an amazing picture, amazing statement that forgiveness was what really Jesus was all about. That was his heart. Now, as he continued to hang on the cross, he had some other statements to make. And just like this first one that was all about forgiveness, the rest of his statements also had incredible levels of of, uh, supernatural strength, if you will. Because the first, while it dealt with forgiveness, the second phrase that Jesus had that day on the cross was all about hope. Look what it says in Luke chapter 23, again now in verse 39. It says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, the other criminal, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God? Seeing you were under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Again, the pain is excruciating. Again, he's hanging there with two others, criminals that were hanging beside him. And certainly he had every reason not to care about the ones who were hanging on either side. This passage even tells us that they indeed were guilty of what they had been condemned for. They were guilty for what they had done. Uh, The one man even admits his guilt. And yet, even in that moment, even with their extreme levels of sin that caused them to to experience the death penalty, if you will, for that day, Jesus still wanted to give hope. Now, when you look in this passage, it tells us that that, the one man, after he blasphemed Jesus, the other man spoke up and said, don't you even fear God? It gave us a picture that, that in that moment, he began to believe the message of the gospel. 
He goes on to say, and seeing you're under the same condemnation, we, well, we're guilty of what we've done, for we receive the due reward. And that was a picture of repentance. In other words, he's saying this, listen, I deserve to die for what I've done. But don't you believe that this man is God, that he's not guilty of anything? And so the correlation between the gospel then and the gospel now really is about the same thing. Because if you think about it, every single one of us, me, you, every person watching this program today, all of us are guilty of our sin. All of us deserve to die for our sins. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, we deserve to die for what we've done. We deserve eternal separation from God because of our sin. But as the rest of that verse in 23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That criminal hanging on the cross that day, he recognized that this man hanging next to him was the only hope that he had. That man recognized that in the moments before he died, in the moments before he took his last breath, a time that naturally would seem to be hopeless, naturally would seem that there is nothing left to have any joy, any hope, any comfort in, that in that moment, the one thing he recognizes this is that there is hope. And that hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. And so when you think about the statement that Jesus made after that man said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's interesting that that man used the word when because he had no idea when it was. He didn't go to a seminary to study eschatology or to figure out what the end days looked like, what the, the judgment looked like. All he knew is that this man was different. All he knew is that this man is who exactly who he said he was. And so, Lord, whenever it is and whatever it is and whatever it looks like, God, I believe in you and I trust in you. God, for, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's interesting that the words that Jesus immediately gave Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's a powerful statement. Because of what told that man and what it tells each and every one of us is just simply this. That in the last moment of our life, when we take our last breath, there's not this period of time that we go off into some, you know, some place where we hang out for a while until we get to heaven. There's not this level of separations or, or, or different places that people go after they die. It tells us this, that when you trust in Christ, the promise that he gave to the criminal and the promise he gives to you and me is that the minute we take our last breath here is the minute we take our first breath in the presence of God. When he used that last phrase, that last word, paradise, in the Old Testament, it referred to the garden. In other words, kind of like the Garden of Eden back in Genesis. But in the New Testament, it points to that place that we can recognize of our, of our eternal reward, a place of eternal blessing that God has given to us. And so he made it very clear, and he, he accentuated what the Scriptures tell us. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what does that give to us? Oh, it gives us hope. I, this week, have been to three different funerals. People who are going through difficult times of losing loved ones. And the one thing that they learned this week, the one thing that comforted them this week, and the one thing that should comfort you and me every single day is that God has given through His Son Jesus the hope that we need that this world, this earth, with all of its brokenness and all of its sin and all of its pain and all of its disease, this is not all that there is. And regardless of what tomorrow holds for you, the moment that we take our last breath here is the moment that we step into the presence of God. The ultimate hope. 
So those are words that Jesus gave. Words of forgiveness, words of hope. But then he continued because he made another statement. More phrases that we read in the book of John. If we flip over to John chapter 19, and what we see here is not only forgiveness, not only hope, but he also gave words of comfort. Look what it says here in John chapter 19, verse 25. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that was talking about John, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. In the last moments of Jesus' life, again, what was he focused on? Caring for others. What was his major concern? Of making sure to provide comfort for not only those standing there that day, but comfort for each and, of us, each and every one of us as well. It shows the constant state of the heart of God which is absolute love, absolute concern. Now, we as parents, we have that same idea, that same passion in our own lives. I've got four kids, and I can tell you that, that every day when I wake up and every night when I go to bed, one thing that is constantly running through my mind is what can I do today to care for my kids? Now, they're older now. One's married, one's getting married. The other two are in college. And, and so, you know, some people think that you come to a place where you've got an empty nest, that you don't have to worry about your kids anymore. I worry about them more now than I did before. Why? Because constantly in my heart, I want to make sure that I am doing everything that I can to protect them and to provide for them and to take care of them and to help them every single day because I love them that much. And it pales in comparison to what Jesus cares about you and me. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, when he had every reason to ignore everything else and everyone else and to only focus on his own pain, the only thing that he could focus on is you and me. What an amazing picture. Telling John, hey, take care of my mom. Watch out for her, protect her, provide for her. And that message, that heart, that passion that comes through from the, the lips, the words of Jesus, are words that today ought to comfort you and me. Because that same Jesus today is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that same Jesus today cares about you and me. He cares about what we're going through. He cares about this coronavirus situation that we're all facing. He cares about our uncertainty. He cares about our fear. He cares about the, the worry that we have about what tomorrow might hold. He worries about the discouragement that we might feel being locked away in our homes for so many hours in a day, wondering when we can come out again and when we can go about our business and, and go back to work and go back to school and, and hang out with our friends. He worries about what we worry about. And here's the great promise, the great hope that we have is that because he is present and because he cares and because he loves, there is nothing to fear, Psalm 23 tells us. That even in the valley of the shadow of death, there's nothing to fear. Why? Because he is with us. So today, are you trusting God no matter what? Are you believing God for who he is, taking him at his word, recognizing that his famous last words were words of concern, words of hope, words of forgiveness? I pray that today what you would have, the passion that you would have is recognizing, man, yes, we're all sinners. And oh, we all need a Savior.
And that today what you would do is you would come to the place in your life where you would say, I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again for my sins. I believe he is the son of God. And I know and I believe by trusting in him, that is how I will find salvation. Let that be your prayer. Let that be your passion. Let that be your focus. And today... No matter how uncertain it might be, no matter how worried you might feel, no matter how difficult your challenge might seem, trust God always. Because what he will do for you is what no one else could ever do. He will forgive. He will give hope. He will give comfort. And by believing in him, he will save you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the promise that we have because of Christ. God, we sit here today in an uncertain time, in an uncertain world. We sit here today and we turn on the news, we watch what's going on, and we worry about what tomorrow might hold. We worry about uh, the rise of, of cases, the, the expansion of this disease. We worry about whether it's going to hit our homes and, and our families. We wonder what tomorrow might look like. But God, in the midst of all of our uncertainty and all of our fear and all of our pain, Lord, we thank you that we can trust you so that we can recognize God, that you have us firmly in your grip. God, help us today to believe that, to recognize that, and to hold on to the promises of God. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of, of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's word, it's very clear. What we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. 
And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.